0: My name is Jo Wise and this is Wise Women, a podcast released on the full moon where I ask women to share the wisdom they found in their greatest life challenges. And new for this series, I also ask them to name the men that supported them through their darkest moments. This podcast is released every full moon because in ancient times, our female ancestors would synchronize their cycles with the cycles of the moon to make their connection, their creativity, their cleansing, even more powerful, and the full moon is a wonderful time for communication and expression. My hope with these podcasts is that the story you're about to hear brings healing to the woman who's sharing it, knowing it's being heard by her sisters, but that parts of the story may resonate with your experiences and bring healing to you as well. So, my wise woman guest this time is Grammy-nominated German-born singer and musician Deva Premel. Deva and her partner, Miten, have millions of fans all around the world and are best known for introducing Sanskrit mantra to the mainstream. Now, my original interview with Deva about her close connection to and love of the Gayatri mantra took place before coronavirus became a global pandemic. So I felt it was important to update our conversation and find out how Deva is thinking and feeling about everything that's going on. So I tracked her down in Costa Rica, where she's holding daily online meditations for her fans and followers to continue her work and service. At the end of our chat, you'll hear me singing to Deva, so have your volume control close by. But first I asked for her take on current world events.
1: I feel that my take is pretty much the take of, I think, every awake person on this planet right now, and that is that we are really thrown into a very new, uncharted territory altogether, and I think there's never, ever been a time where really everybody has the same thoughts, like everybody is thinking coronavirus most probably all day long, (laughs) more or less. You know, it's like an underlying theme, and we've never had that on the planet that we all have the same focus. Unfortunately, that focus has mostly a fear attached for most people, fear and panic and the unknown and the uncontrollable and the fear of death and fear of fut- like future. So it's 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 a it's a time when we really need to be aware, not to succumb to that fear and to really lift our spirits and our thoughts consciously again and again out of the future into the moment and do the best we can it's quite
0: bizarre isn't it that i think you said there everybody's thoughts are the same to wake up in the morning and you know be thinking about coronavirus and knowing that everybody around the globe is thinking it as well it's really quite a bizarre phenomenon
1: it's very very bizarre and the other bizarre thing is like when you WhatsApp somebody, you know they're going to be at home. I mean, that's never happened before. It's not like, where are you right now? You're, know, Of course you're at home. And uh, it's it's such a unifying thing in a way because we are all in it. Um, Miten and I happen to be in Costa Rica, and it's just uh, the way existence arranged it all. And there's really no reason for us to leave because, I mean, we're, we're better to be than in a place where we are pretty much in nature i mean totally in nature and yeah and just uh, do what we can from here which is our daily online meditation i don't know if you know about that i do yeah yeah so that's a it's been a really beautiful uh central point of our day every day you you said deva that
0: you're in a, a very safe part of the world it feels safe and that you obviously have a lot of spiritual tools as well at your side, but do you ever find yourself succumbing to fearful thoughts or are you feeling pretty stable about it all?
1: Actually, when it first happened, I found myself much more fearful. Um, right now, I must say here, the psychic space is very, very free. You know, like, there's hardly any people here. So I think I'm, I'm lucky that I'm not uh, bombarded with a load of fear which in cities and stuff must be very very strong and i think we do take on the 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 field you know we take on the thoughts around us as much as create our own so right now i'm in a a pretty relaxed place in a like let's see what the future brings it's so unknown i can't even like when i try to think about the future it all gets very pixelated and blurry and i have no idea (laughs) well
0: i loved what you said at the beginning about constantly bringing your thoughts back and lifting them and making sure that you're contributing to good psychic energy to use your terminology Mm. as well and i saw on your social media feed actually deva that you feel sound healing is incredibly beneficial and that's not to take away from any conventional guidance we're being given but chanting mantra sacred sound can be a tremendous spiritual tool can't it absolutely there's
1: so many benefits to it one one of one of it is obviously the, the calming effect that it has on our nervous system so when we are calm and relaxed and and not in fear or stress then our immune system is is you know obviously is much stronger than when we are stressed out or tense so that's the big pa- part and the breathing you know just to to sing and breathe and charge ourselves with oxygen, which is the most important thing now in the face of this virus that affects our lungs and our oxygen levels and all that. So so there we are strengthening that part. And um, now I also hear more and more that um, humming actually um, strengthens the or increases the nitric oxide in our bodies, which helps um, keep things oxygenized and actually humming does that in the mouth and I've, I've heard I have to verify that still that it's actually antibacterial antiviral and the chanting is a practice that brings us completely into the moment and and into that feeling of connection
0: oh. Finally, Deva, my favourite idea, I think, is this idea of washing your hands to the Gayatri mantra. Uh, It's been suggested that people sing happy birthday here in the UK because it takes about 20 seconds and that's what we're being advised is to wash our hands for 20 seconds. But I've seen quite a lot of your fans and followers suggesting that we sing the Gayatri mantra. And our podcast, of course, was all about the Gayatri mantra and how powerful it was. Imagine if we were all singing that while we were washing our hands. That would be incredible, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, we actually put that out like last week on, on on our channels as a as a suggestion. We're washing our hands constantly. Let's let's use this time to not only do this consciously, but do it with gratitude. Invoke the sacred light of the Gayatri at the same time, and also give thanks to water. We know that we can wash our hands. That there's water. That there's in, you know. So yes, it's been it, it's been uh, going around, which I'm very happy about.
0: Well, I've actually given it a go as well, David. So I wondered if you'd like to hear me washing my hands to the Gayatri mantra. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
1: Yes, that's so beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm apologizing for my voice in advance, but at least I'm giving it a go. And like you said, I was giving thanks to the water and invoking the the power of the Gayatri mantra as well, which is just so important at this time. Yeah,
1: never apologize for your voice. You know, we are all given this gift of of being able to raise our voices to the divine and the, the, the great divine spirit doesn't judge or listen to our technique or it's really all about the intention and the love that we pour into it and that's all that matters.
0: That was Deva Pramel talking to me about how she's feeling about current world events, encouraging you to wash your hands to the Gayatri Mantra and being very kind about my attempt. So with that important update completed, I now want to share my original interview with Deva. This episode of Wise Women is called the Gayatri Mantra, and it's all about Deva's father actually, how he sang this sacred chant to her while she was in her mother's womb and as a childhood lullaby, and then how she sang it to him as he took his last breaths and left his physical body. In this interview, Deva sings the Gayatri Mantra for us, shares incredible stories about the extraordinary character of her father, and answers my three quickfire questions at the end as well.
1: Hello, Joe. Beautiful to talk to you.
0: The story we're going to talk about today is your dad leaving his body and the mantra that you sang to him as you said goodbye, which incidentally was also the mantra he sang to you while you were in your mother's womb. So I wondered if we could start by hearing that mantra. And while you sing it, I would really like us listening to tune into the
1: significance of it for you. Yes I'd love to I'd love to chant it for you the way he sang it to me while while I was in my mother's womb and also the way they um my both my parents sang it with me every night as a as a good night song when I was growing up as a little little
2: child it
1: uh, goes like this
2: Om Bhubasva Tatsavitur varenyam bhargo devasya dhimahi And
1: I stopped singing, chanting it like this when I was, I don't know, nine, eight, ten years old, I don't know exactly, maybe ten, and it, it had to let it go completely and it came back into my life consciously, you know, I was actually inviting it back into my life Towards the end of my twenties, and then he came back with a with a melody that that we then recorded, and um, that many many people around the world are using to to sing it, and that's
2: Om bo rasva, tattarvi turvalinia, That's
1: what I sang to my my father as he was taking his last breath.
0: Uh, Dave, I want want to ask you more about um, your father leaving his body, which I know is how you see it. You don't see it as death or dying. It's, you know, leaving your Mm -hmm. physical body. Um, But that mantra... When you were singing then, both times, I completely felt it through my body. And this is what mm. mantra does, isn't it? it? It resonates. Can you explain more about how mantra touches us so deeply?
1: Yes. I, I, I just love, um, I love mantra, <laughs> because it's beyond concepts, it's beyond belief systems, it's beyond religion, it's a uh, it's, it's, uh, direct. Um, cellular language that we all can uh, receive and can all benefit from. And it's sound medicine, you know, it's a a refined sound that humans can make that has then become Sanskrit language and that is used in Hinduism. But that came later. It's really the, the sounds were received by the ancient meditators in ancient India thousands and thousands of years ago they were sitting in meditation, and they would receive sounds that they realized, oh yeah, this sound, or oh, when I sing this sound, I, I feel my heart chakra open, I feel more love, or when I sing this sound, I feel very grounded, and I feel very connected to, to the earth, or when I sing this sound, physical healing happens. You know, there they they were scientists in the field of sound and they could um they could receive that they had that sensitivity and then that became the mantras you know then later we would connect you know deities to it, to it in the form of certain deities that would make it easier for us to understand the the flavor and the focus of each of these sounds but you know that that came more like a like a uh help for us humans because we like to see things, we like to see the form of things and it's easier for us to understand concepts if there are stories attached to it or, yeah. or human you know, human features attached to it. But I, really, it, it's like, a, it's medicine.
0: Yeah, I saw a quote from you online the other day, actually, Deva, where you, I think it was something like you'd said that um, mantra was like a password for the soul. <laughs> which I think is so good. And I've heard Miten, your partner, um, say that as beautiful as mantra is and people love to hear it and uh, take part in it, it's actually
1: not entertainment, is it? No, it's not entertainment. It's, that's, it's, it's prayer, you know, it's prayer. And, and prayer is not uh, something often we understand prayer as asking for something. You know, for me, prayer is really uh, a direct communication and connection uh, with 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 the divine spirit, you know, or with our higher self, or with cosmos, or with existence, or with God, or whatever we want to call it. And and for me, mantra is so such a pure form because we are not using our own language, which has so many concepts attached to it, and so much is so loaded in so many ways. You know, we are. It's a pure um channel that we can pour our devotion and our gratitude in and and just sing with all our hearts our our gratitude to for this for for this uh, life that we've been given you know whatever it brings and um it's 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 so important that we go beyond the the uh, the language barrier you know where we where we yeah, which we are so caught in most of our days, you know, because we use language all the time. Mm.
2: So this is a very
1: pure way of, of um, using sound, using words, but but uh, speaking the truth, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. And there are different mantras for different reasons, aren't there? One of my favorites is... Um, i love to chant to ganesh um wow. but let's go back to the gayatri mantra uh, which is this special one for you and your dad which i'm going to talk more about in a second what does the gayatri mantra actually mean what is it for is it able even to be translated
1: yes you know you can untranslate every single word uh, because it is sanskrit language and that then used then was spoken now it's no more spoken so the literal meaning of the gayatri mantra is we meditate upon this adorable or enchanting source of all things. This divine light of pure consciousness awakens us or inspires us or energizes us. And uh, so it's really the light, you know, the Gayatri Mantra is to invoke the light also reflected in the sunlight. And uh, it's it's a mantra for enlightenment of all all being of all living things of all beings on the planet and uh, that's also again what makes it so universal and so free of any idea of what divinity looks like you know because when you when you chant to Ganesh then comes the the picture of what Ganesh looks like you know with the elephant head and and all these things and if you if you you know some people also might get Turned off by that because it's not, it doesn't, you know, then that like we didn't grow up with these things with these deities like that, you know. So for us, Western people, it could kind of throw us, you know, off and and not and and distract us from the true power and meaning of it. But with the light, you know, I think more and more, more of us are, are ready for it, but with the light, you basically there's no there's no picture attached to it, to the light. It's pure, you know, it's direct. And recently, a friend of mine pointed out that the Gayatri Mantra could be even more seen as the sun rays, you know, so it's because the sunlight is too strong for us, it it basically would hurt us if, if we were too close to it. But the sun rays are the ones that make that connection from the light source to us and they give us life and light and that, uh, I thought it was a beautiful way of seeing the Gayatri Mantra. You know, it's kind of a channeled light, and it, this, ch- and we channel this light through the Gayatri Mantra into our beings, and with a with a feeling of uplifting the field of the of the planet by uh, by uttering these sounds. Okay, so Deva, you've just
0: explained the Gayatri Mantra there. Your father was singing that to you while you were in your mother's womb and we know now new science is telling us that um, the baby in utero learns the feelings of the mother and learns the environment it's going to be born into so it's extraordinary isn't it your dad must have been quite a special man
1: yeah I mean um, it's extraordinary for German for Indian people I, I don't know if many if they would sing or chant it to uh, to a baby in India, but I could imagine it would be more something that happens there. But in Germany, it was definitely completely, <laughs> very, very, <laughs> very unusual. And um, my mother also sang it with him. I mean, he was the he was the initiator and the driving force. But my mum was, you know, totally into it as well. And and so yes, yeah, so I I've been really it's been with me ever since I was conceived
0: what more can you tell me about your dad where did he he get his spirituality from and what kind of a man was he
1: he's such a unique being that i could talk forever about him because there's so many aspects of him that are just very very um <laughs> intriguing um he he so when he had me he was 49 years old already so kind of quite Old and especially in those days, I was born in 1970. And he had been an artist all his life. He was an amazing painter. We actually, my sister, my brother, and I, we just published a book about his art because it's just too, too beautiful not to share it. And uh, he was a painter. He made drums. He made cupboards. He painted cupboards. He made, um, uh carpets clay He worked with clay with leather with oil with watercolor he was so extremely versatile that maybe that's why he never got that uh, famous because it was you couldn't put him in a box and uh and he was totally fearless he was totally fearless to be completely different to everyone around him like you he always wore the same kind of style clothes he was He only talked of himself in the third person. He never said I um, since the 70s, ever since I was born. So he would say he, you know, he went to the city today and he went shopping or whatever, you know, like he would not say I. And he would keep that up wherever he went. You know, if he if he had if we had to go to the doctor, he would say, "Oh, he's got an appointment." You know, <laughs> and then he would sit in the doctor's uh, in a doctor's waiting room. He would sit on the ground in the lotus position and close his eyes and meditate till it's his turn. And and uh, and then one time, for example, he did a pilgrimage with my with my brother, who was five years old at the time, to walk from. Nuremberg to Hamburg, which is about 700 kilometers, like 500 miles or something, and uh, and walk with my brother on a push on a kind of a scooter thingy, and uh, and they walked there to to Wolfgang's. My father's name was Wolfgang, to his uh, guru or yoga teacher, and then he went back by train to Nuremberg. It was a nine-hour train journey and. He didn't change his position once, you know, like he would sit like like um, in the lotus position the whole time.
2: Wow. Things
1: like that. It's just very, very extreme. Also, he totally immersed himself in mantra. So he, so once he found something that he, he felt was important or that he wanted to explore, he would immerse himself, himself fully in it. Like Christianity he would learn. Uh, he had learned one or two gospels by heart. And then he got into um, Zen, he meditated and deeply he got into mantra. he did, took mantra deeply into his life. For example, he for ten years he chanted mantra every day for four hours walking around the city walls of Nuremberg between two a m and six am in the morning. and um, and, and that's also really beautiful. M- Mitten kind of made me aware of it. Because you know Nuremberg is such a, it has such a dark hmm. history, also connotation, and uh, and he he circled the city walls of Nuremberg three times, chanting mantra every day. Wow! And now I see it really. Actually, I don't know if it was the Gayatri. I assume, but he didn't tell me. He was like a prayer wheel, you know, around the around the city walls of Nuremberg. You oh know, goodness. I felt like so. Miten was like maybe that was his way of, you know, bringing some good karma, some light into that dark darkness there. And um, yeah, so so that's that's Wolfgang pretty much. Uh. Well, am I
0: right in thinking though, David, as you were growing up, you didn't quite appreciate what you appreciate about him now. It was you wanted to fit in, didn't you, at that age?
1: That too. I mean, also, I have to say that he was extremely strict. He was, in that way, he was very German. You know, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he had been four years in the war as a soldier and five years as a prisoner of war. So he was from 17 years old to 26, he was in in that kind of environment. And that had really shaped him. And he was very, very disciplinarian and strict and had these principles and um so as growing up i was quite afraid of him also you know he wasn't i mean he was i felt loved and he was very he had a great sense of humor he loved to laugh but he was also just very strict and if you didn't you know like kids are quiet and you're on time and you know very german kind of principles and um so growing up I was just I I just felt more this kind of sense of fear uh, for him and and uh, yeah it's difficult to say but only when I was a teenager I really started appreciating him because I really I realized how much he wanted me to be just the way I was he had no agenda for me how what I should do with my life or what I should become or you know he was totally uh, respectful of 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 my freedom and um and whatever i chose he would support so that i really that that was such an, a great quality in him and so actually only when i was a teenager i really i started seeing you know his value his uh, his qualities you know um, more and um, and then when 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 the mantras came back into my life, like around 27, then of course then I only started, you know, realizing, wow, you know, what a gift he'd given me that yeah. early on. Yeah oh my goodness it's huge can you talk a little bit
0: more now about um, your father leaving his body and as I said earlier that's how he taught you to see it it wasn't death or dying it was that he was leaving his physical body how long ago was that Deva and had he been unwell for a long time or was it quite sudden yeah
1: so um, so yeah, I grew up with that that he, he always uh, you've um, left the body rather than we weren't kind of allowed to say somebody died. So it, it was very natural for me to, to, to the concept of reincarnation and, and, uh, and, yeah, it was just very natural to me already growing up as a child. And he was, um, it was in two, 2005, he was 83 years old and he was actually in very good health pretty much until the end. But then he got some. You, you, just before he left his body, he got more weak with some pneumonia or something, and then he he had some kind of. Did he die of some kind of uh, thrombosis? I think you say. Mm-hmm. But um, it it went actually really fast, and what's beautiful is also that he and also my mum, who also left her body eleven years later, they both walked out of their apartments to the to the ambulance. You know, they were oh, not wow. there. But, yeah. They didn't get carried out, you know. They dignified, you know. They left their apartments, and and then they were both, and actually my mom too, were in a coma for for either t- he was in a in a like unconscious like the last day of his life, and that's when I could get back with Miten from. From Cologne, we were not far away, which was also just an amazing coincidence that we were so close. You know, we could have been in Australia or in America or wherever, but we were in Germany, and we could drive back during the night to be back there in the morning, and they said you know, it could happen any time that he would leave his body. And then we sat with him for the last eight hours of his life. We had to... It, it was really meant to be, you know. I, I uh, secretly always wanted to experience that how it, how it is to, to be in terms of somebody leaving their body because I feel it's one of the biggest honor to be able to be there and, and hold space for that and be invited in that and and um, I'd never experienced that in my life although Mitten and I've played and sung quite a few times for people on their, on in their last hours or days. But I'd never actually been there for that moment, and and, I, and and to be able to be there for my father was like I really wanted this to happen. But he was in intensive ward, and um, and we were only allowed two people at the, at the time to be with him because there was somebody else in the room as well, and they didn't want 15 people around the bed. So we had to take turns, and uh, and it it's just luck that I there was my turn um I did call everybody once we saw it was happening we called everybody so they all rushed in but we had already been chanting the Gayatri mantra the last half an hour of his life and um, and and then chanted it when he was taking his last breath Goodness. and it was just uh, I, I just felt I'd received the biggest gift to be able to give that back to him and to to be. Also, you know, I'm sure you've heard this that they say it's that the hearing is the last sense that goes. So, like, even if somebody's unconscious, usually, or I don't know how we know this, but that that people can still hear. So, yeah, it was just uh, divine, divinely orchestrated. And did you feel anything
0: in that moment when he died?
1: Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's a it's I I it's a sense of awe, you know, like, wow, this, I've just witnessed this spirit leaving this body. And now there's this body there that I, if I touch it, it just no longer feels like, it just feels like matter, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that was a strong, that feeling of touching and um, the feeling of matter in my hands. But, um, but uh, I didn't have like a huge kind of enlightenment experience or anything. It was more like, wow, it was more like a sense of awe. I think that's that's how I would call it. Like, what a, what an honor, what a, an amazing moment I'm allowed to to experience.
0: Yeah, it is It is such a privilege, such a privilege. Someone said to me once, Deva, that no matter how old we are or what our relationship is like with them, something changes when our parent dies. So in kind of the days and the weeks and the months and the years afterwards does that make sense to you can you connect with that concept and what changed for you when your father left his body um
1: i i, I must admit i felt a sense of relief <laughs> because but actually especially also when my mom left her body as well because you know the worry is always there you know they were getting older and they were living alone and and my mom showed signs of dementia and and uh, and you know fragility in the body. And there she lives 88 steps, you know, without a lift in a place and alone. And so there was always a sense of worry, you know, like are they okay? What's going to happen? And also both my parents, they were very very ready to leave the body. Like they were, they both had the feeling especially also my mom, the feeling that the death will be something really beautiful to experience and, and something to actually look forward to at the end of, of our life. So there was no sense of, oh, God, I really don't want to die. But more like, yeah, this is going to be a beautiful, beautiful next phase. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I felt, I felt a, a sense of completion and, re, and relief in that way in the sense of not worrying about them. And also that really complete and good feeling that i felt i had done what i could while they were alive to shower them with love and to take care of them and to spend as much time as it was possible and natural with them and and to be there for them so that's that was such a beautiful feeling like yeah i really i didn't neglect or or regret you know there was no regrets nice well, both, both
0: of my parents, Deva, are still alive, but I work yeah. with a lot of people who have lost their parents and the parents have left their bodies. And a lot of them feel guilt around that relief that you talked about. They say, you know, I feel so relieved, but at the same time, I feel guilty about that relief. So if there are women listening to this podcast now who are perhaps grieving their parents, uh, parent or parents or even perhaps they've got parents who are poorly and they can sense the time is coming what wisdom would you share around uh, a parent believing their body
1: i think the the understanding that it's really natural i think that's really important you know that it's such a natural rhythm in in our lives that and that it's it's beautiful when it when it does happen that the parents go first because that is the natural and beautiful way of of you know or more desirable let's say because we don't know what's better anyway but um but but that and and um yeah i I mean it's interesting I, i i never missed my parents after they left their bodies you know i i felt really like complete and um and loving towards them and um and ready to, to be on my own, grow up, and because you do feel a bit more grown up, I think, when both the parents are gone, because suddenly there's nobody above you, you know, in that feeling, like suddenly you are the top of the, you know, I mean, I have an older sister and older brother, but still, you know, like you feel like that generation, like that generation is gone now for me, also my uncles and aunts, they're all gone. So it is. A, it's it's a it's a strong and beautiful feeling because it's natural and uh, to just to just allow ourselves to feel. I think there's such a huge conditioning around how we should feel about it, feel about our own death that we should feel about it uh, and that we definitely shouldn't feel like yeah this is natural this is beautiful she left in a beautiful way you know like this is almost like heretic (laughs) to talk like that in our culture you know and to to allow, allow ourselves to see it you know more naturally but also personally i i've read so many books on death and dying and afterlife and you know messages from people from the beyond and um i i find it all very um uplifting actually.
0: Dave, actually I was really interested in hearing you talk there about the there's no longer a generation above you because we actually have something in common and it's not our singing voices for certain Um, (laughs) but the commonality is that our partners are actually much older than us. So Miten, your partner is 23 years your senior and my husband is 25 years older than me. Yeah. how did um your mum and dad respond to your relationship because it didn't go down too well in my tribe initially
1: oh oh no my my father is 11 years older than my mum and then he had girlfriends who were so much younger than him when they after after and before they split up <laughs> so <laughs> everything, everything goes in my family there was no uh, there was no uh, there was no and no, age doesn't really matter that much but it's a it's a it's a good reminder every day how precious life is and you don't know how long you're going to have with each other and yes. uh, that's a really good yes. good mirror in a way too no yeah i've
0: heard you how say that are... before actually that mittens age difference helps to keep you in the now because again you do mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship like this and i do it as well you do think goodness they're 25 years ahead of me you know will we always mm. have this time together
1: mm. i think it's healthy to it because it's actually it would be good for every every couple to have that sense of um Moment to moment, you know, but it's just we are lucky that it's in our faces. (laughs) We are very lucky, very lucky. Deva, I cannot thank you enough for
0: sharing your wisdom um, about a parent leaving a body. I'm so grateful. Before you go, I always ask my Wise Women guests just to run through three really quick fire questions with me. So I'm hoping you're up for that.
1: Yes, I'm totally up for
0: it. okay. the first question is ideally not Miten or your dad or a, a relative, but who would be your most influential male mentor and why oh that's
1: definitely osho my my guru I've been with osho since I was eleven years old, and uh he's my guiding light and uh and uh yeah, he's really lit up my my path the whole all these almost forty years now
0: he's an incredible teacher i did um did an osho meditation where you just shake and dance for like 40 minutes or something have you done that yes. oh many times ever since i was 11 years old <laughs> oh,
1: <wow. laughs> yeah. it was my first yeah. time about a
0: year ago and oh my goodness it's incredible <laughs> but he's an he's such
1: a phenomenal teacher isn't he yes yes I, and i was so lucky to see him and you know alive sit with him in meditation and he left his body when I was 19, so between actually 17 and 19. Also, even at 14 years old, I got to see him. And to be in the presence of somebody that uh, uh, awakened and uh, and such a, yeah, he was just such a, I don't know, it's so difficult to say it in words. He was really a light being, and that to be in the presence of that in, in a physical form is Also, extreme, huge blessing. Okay, so next question is about
0: your favourite quote. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a quote. It could also be words of wisdom that somebody said to you that you've never forgotten. I think this too will pass because it just really
1: puts everything into perspective.
0: Yeah, that's a brilliant one. I say that to myself a lot, and I don't know who that's attributed to. I think it's just a you know a really wise saying that's been passed on and on and on, isn't it?
1: Apparently, I mean, Osho told a story that um, it was a king who asked the wise man in his court, you know, make me a ring that will uh, make me feel good when I feel bad and make me feel bad when I feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Wow, okay. and on that ring there was it was written this tool will pass something like that that's what I remember <laughs> beautiful
0: Oh, I didn't know that thank you for sharing that um and the last question I know we've talked a lot about the Gayatri mantra uh, but I wondered apart from that what song sums up this experience for you what song is like your your real kind of grounding place
1: I mean these things change but right now it's uh, a song that's on Muten's latest album that's called uh into your hands I lay my spirit. Into your hands I lay my life, and that's that really sums it all up. That that's the I think that's the most beautiful feeling we can live with. You know that sense of trust, surrender, and uh, joy in that. I'm
0: going to go and hunt that out and have a listen. And I'm so pleased you mentioned Miten as well because his music is just incredible, and. Am I right in thinking he's recently released an album?
1: Yeah, it just came out uh, in October. It's called Devotee. And uh, the song is on there as well as the, uh, the whole album is really beautiful.
0: And I know you, you guys met in an ashram, didn't you? But before that, he was playing in you know, bands like Fleetwood Mac and all sorts. So he he made a big transition from the world of rock and pop to the this world of mantra, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, he didn't play in Fleetwood Mac and such. He was opening for them, so he would go. He would travel alongside, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac or Ry Cuda, Lou Reed, and and be the opening actress with him and his guitar. And that was a huge, great apprenticeship, you know, because he would um, he would play to audiences who didn't come to see him basically, and uh, and he would be able to to uh, to pull them in and and uh, connect with them. And uh, and he always feels like that's what that's what gave him the the skills that he then could use with what we do, you know, where we where we um, where we we connect, you know, with 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 people through music and uh, also to go through that whole um, ambition and uh, music business and everything that goes with it to go through that completely so it's totally done you know he had he left it all behind he didn't want to have anything to do anymore with wanting to be successful or wanting to become known or famous you know all it just he just really did that you know he had lived it and he realized the emptiness of it and left it all behind when he found Osho in meditation and and was happy to just cut veggie, vegetables in the kitchen and drive a truck or whatever and then music did come back because there was so much gratitude in him and so much that he wanted to share through music but it came back you know in a pure way and and without any ambition and without any money attached to it and and that's how that's and that we met you know because he was actually the music coordinator in the ashram where we met and he would play music for the 2 3000 people every night for the meditation he would be the, the one who leads the band and and sings and uh, and creates that music. So it was a very, what an amazing honor to play for, you know, 2,000 meditators, you know, who have their eyes closed and who are completely receptive. And uh, out of that, we started then sharing that in, in, in our travels around the world.
0: Well, you're now selling millions of albums. You've been Grammy nominated as well. And, uh, you know, celebrities such as Cher and Tony Robbins and leaders like the Dalai Lama all endorse what you're doing as well. And um, I would really encourage people after listening to this podcast to go and watch your videos, <laughs> go to your website, uh, try and find you. If people want to find out more, Deva, what's your yours and Miten's, uh website address?
1: It's com which is so long. So we also have the web, the website name dpm.life. But if you put in Deva or Miten in a search engine, you'll find us and there's our website. And we, we tour in, in Europe in, in October. We'll be in London in October. And uh, yeah, if you, if you can, don't miss to come to a concert. It's so special. It's so nourishing and healing and it's really an
0: experience not to not to be missed oh my goodness if i ever get the experience the opportunity for that experience i will be there David. i promise
1: Ah, so you can come to london no yeah absolutely
0: i'll be there the next opportunity i'm going to be there
2: okay David. thank Mm -hmm. you so
0: much for this conversation it's been a real honor thank you so much joe and and, uh, have a beautiful day Thank you and i I would just ask just before you go, I wonder if we could end this podcast in the same way that we opened it just by you singing uh, the Gacha mancha for us once more.
1: Yeah, I would
2: love to do that <laughs> Pargo de masyam de diyo yona prachodaya, umbumasva tatsaviturva rinya. Pargo de masyam de
0: to listen to more Wise Women podcasts, visit the website www.wisewomen.org.uk. org uk. Remember, WISE is spelt with a Y, -Y W-Y-S-E, wisewomen.org.uk. You can also subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other good podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.